0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my co-host, co-DM, co-player, sometimes, Ben Bumhopper. How are you doing tonight, Ben? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ryan? I am super pumped. Not because we're talking about this stuff, partially because we're talking about this stuff, but partially because I've gotten to play like three times in the last week, which is really unusual for me. So
1: I'm still riding off the high. Oh, I am so jealous of that. I've, I've gotten the one, which is good. Uh, my normal, my, my group that I DM, uh, some real life stuff happened. So we we had to push it back, but, uh, I gotta say, I'm just so tickled with last night.
0: Yes, Uh, and for those who don't know what he's talking about, both of us currently play on a campaign podcast called Plus 5 to Hit. We just started our second season of that. It's always a super fun time, so if you're looking for another campaign-style podcast, shameless plug, check it out. Oh, totally not shameless. I'm very proud of it. I am too. Uh, But tonight, we are going to talk about magic items from both perspectives, because whew,
1: this is a broad topic. <laughs> there's a lot going on with this. Like, So, okay, Ryan came up or came to me with the idea of like, hey, let's go about magic items. I'm like, okay, cool. There's magic items. You do stuff with them. And then I kind of stopped for a second. I'm like, oh, crap. How are we going to do this? I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of different perspectives just within like the DM perspective or just within the player perspective. and. We're not going to touch on all of them, at all. But uh, I think we've got some some good places to at least start a conversation. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna
0: try and hit as many as we can. Uh, so I wanted to start out the conversation tonight with setting. Um, so at the very the very beginning, before you roll on the tables or before you give the players that finely homebrewed crafted item that uh, they're going to get when they defeat the dragon, you have to kind of look at your world setting. And so you have to say, okay, is my, is my world setting first? Is it, is it a known world setting? If it is uh, what level of magic is available uh, in this world. Is this a low magic setting where magic is still the awe and wonder of most of the people groups except for these uh, guarded mages? Is it uh, kind of moderate where the common man doesn't have magic, but uh, it is accessible to those that seek it or the high level magic setting where even the, the, the farmer is using cantrips to, to help out with, with work on the farm. And magic is, is mundane,
1: or at least the lower forms of magic are mundane. Yeah, and you know what? If you come to a point where you're like, oh gosh, all of those sound good, have different parts of the world have different levels too. That's something you can kind of look into and, and work with. Exactly.
0: Um, I've, I wanted to kind of start out and kind of get uh, get your opinion. So based on the Dungeon Master's Guide, mm-hmm. uh, they've, they've got some tables on magic items that the players should receive. And I assume this is probably a mid-level magic, magic uh, world that they're talking about. Um, so I just wanted to read through the chart real fast and kind of get your opinion and just kind of see where we're at. Right. So, uh, in the DMG, which is the dungeon master's guide, the level one to five. So this is the consumable items table. So like potions, um, and stuff like that, uh, you from level one to five, you should be getting one common consumable six to 10, one uncommon, 11 to 15, one rare, 16 to 19, one very rare, and 20, one legendary. Permanent items, which is like your magic sword or your shield or your armor, you know, whatever. Um, Level one to four, you get your first uncommon. Five to seven, your second. Eight to 10, your first rare. 11 to 13, your second rare. 14 to 16, your first very rare. And 17 to 19, your first legendary. And so within that, we kind of covered what at least as far as 5e is concerned is uh, the types of magical items you have your common items which are your mundane things your swords your shields nothing special about them they could be well made but they're they're not magical and then you have uncommon items you have rare items very rare items and then you have the best of the best legendary items and those of course will give you your best Bonuses or your best additional magic effects or whatever. So just based on those two charts What what are your thoughts on that? Does that sound about what in line with what you do? Uh,
1: for each character. Does that sound low? Does that sound high? Uh, I am going to be perfectly honest And say that I have not looked at that table at all Like at all um so the environment that I DM in, it's magic is in the world, but there aren't a lot of magical people. Um, the, the idea behind it is, is that yeah, there's some magical items out there. You know, if someone does like a um, some sort of spell or something, it's not going to be like oh, it's a witch, burn them or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, the common folk just aren't going to be casting left and right and everything like that. Um, so the idea of magical items being out there and stuff like that. I like the idea of them just being kind of not exactly like just, you know, like in every garbage can or, you know, people just toss them out cause they're just, they're tired of, Oh God, I've got 20 wands on me or something like that. But I make it so that it's, you know, not exactly super strict to like, okay, my players are level six. They've each got, you know, a fun little magical item or two or something on them. I don't really, you know, keep it super duper strict when it goes to guidelines like that. I kind of look at like, okay, something that they're doing and like, say they're um, infiltrating something or trying to, to, you know, go off of a quest or something. I look at that person or thing that they're interacting with and trying to determine, hey, would they have any sort of magical items there? And based on that, that's kind of how I populate things and stuff. And I don't try to, you know, just throw a whole crap ton of stuff. I mean, like treasure and magic items and everything like that is one of the you know, harder things to kind of really get a good feel on of, you know, am I giving my players too much gold? You know, am I giving them enough gold sinks and things like that? Magic items are kind of the same way. So, you know, if, if they're beating like a, a big boss of some sort, you know, I'd, I'd throw a couple magic items in there, but it's nothing that's going to be like game-breaking. You know, it's just something that's a, like maybe a rare or more of a common magical thing. So for now, you know, I realized that I basically just mumbled through that whole thing and didn't give a a good straight answer just because for me, there really isn't one. It's just what feels right at the moment, you know, for basically what they're facing.
0: Sure. I think, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I think my, my current campaign setting that I'm running is kind of a mid level magic world. Um, And I think just in general, the type of DM I am, I'm more that mid-level magic item type person because one of the, one of the most exciting things for me as a player is getting items. I mean, there's always that like, Ooh, it's time for the loot type, <laughs> you no know, type excitement. Um, and as a DM, it's kind of fun to dole out that loot because you get to see the players get super excited about it. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of my philosophy, and this is this is my personal opinion, I, for the most part, I hate plus plus X items. Yeah, I hate them. Um, I think I think they're super boring, and a lot of times you have to be really careful with how you hand those out because. 5e uses what's called flat math. And so your power curve or the actual amount, your stats and stuff will rise over the course of level one to 20 in, in the full view is really not that much. It really isn't. Um, It's actually built so that, and we kind of talked about this with encounters, low level monsters can still have a chance to hit higher level players. Which is why, in larger numbers, lower level monsters can still be threatening against players. Oh, yeah. um, and so, just just in general, um, I don't like to give out many of those plus ones at least until later in the campaign. You might start later in the levels. You might start seeing those appear a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm much more uh, I'm much more err on the side of what cool thing can this do? What yeah. awesome thing does this sword do? What cool thing does this, what cool spells can this wand cast? That type of thing. What? Uh... So just, just for an example, um, I gave my players early on what's called a Wand of Smiles. <laughs> oh, and it's,
1: love the Wand of Smiles. It's, yeah,
0: it's perfectly mundane. It's like a DC 10 wisdom sh- saving throw. And if you fail, you start smiling uncontrollably for a minute. And it's just the funniest thing. And my cleric got it, and he just uses it at the most random times. And when the saving throws fail, it's it never fails to be a, a funny moment. And so just, or uh, utility-type things, immovable um, rods. movable rods are really great because they bring out the creativity and ingenuity of the players in oh, ways yeah. that you never expected them to do. And so I, I'm so much more love getting, giving uh, my players, those utilitarian type items to then see what they do with them, see what kind of creative solutions they can come up with the things. Um, I love to give them, I, I like to give them magical weapons, but I, Uh, I like to give them ones that aren't like a plus one, but sometimes do something like uh, I made this short sword and it was this uh, poison blade that had like three charges and you could choose on an attack to use a charge and you get an extra D4 of poison damage. You could roll. And so that's a cool effect because it's not just a plus one. It's a, okay, I'm choosing to use this. It's got resources and it recharges at a long rest or potentially giving uh, one thing I'd love to give out is things with limited uses mm-hmm. So where it's like, okay, this necklace can be used four times and it does this cool thing. But once it's done, it's, it's out. So that way you can kind of control the economy a little bit. So it's not like I have 10 necklaces that do 10 different things <laughs> and I don't know what to do because you can't at the same time overwhelm your players because they'll either forget they have it or they'll have too many to think about in the moment. Exactly. And, and won't get use out of anything. So you, you, you have to be careful about that. But I like one of my player's favorite weapons, it was a sword I gave him. But the sword could transform into any uh, non-animate item that the user touched. So it was a sword if I touched a cup I could use my action or bonus action to turn it into a cup, like a metal cup. It was always, always the same properties of the sword, but you could do that. And he used it one time for this prison break where they got arrested. But before they did, he turned his sword into something mundane and then was able to turn it back into a sword and boom, you've got a weapon now. Where you might not have had it before, just
1: yeah, clever, cool. cool things like that.
0: So that's that's my style usually for for magic items.
1: Well, and to give you an idea, um, the gosh, the first time that they they went to town. This is after the one shot uh, where they they actually had some money and everything. I, I you know created a magic shop because why not? And uh, so they go in and uh, like the whole idea behind my my magic shop owner Matilda. She's absolutely fantastic, and everybody loves her. Um, she used to be an adventurer, so she's got a lot of these, you know, magic items and stuff that she's collected, you know, over the years from treasure and and everything like that. Like when I described it, when you walk into the shop, it's like uh, like an old antique store with stuff just everywhere. And so, the, you know, they're trying to spend some money because I, I gave them way too much money in the one shot as a reward because I'm like, that's yeah, a one shot, whatever. Well, they're spending it now, <laughs> so. Um, isn't that how it always goes? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so our uh, my bard, she went through the the blade school or the blade, college of blades, whatever it's called. And so um, as she was going through and doing stuff, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my my blades enchanted. So I'm like, okay, well, just easy plus, plus one blades on both of those and stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it. I'm like, okay, well, she's the only one with enchanted weapons right now, you know, magic weapons and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not really too worried about you know having to kind of get everybody caught up with that because I mean we've got a lot of magic users but even so I'm not fighting a lot of stuff that has uh, resistance to non magical weapons so you know around that time that's when I'm going to make sure that you know they 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 start to kind of get them to kind of even the playing field a little bit just because. I don't know. I like when a monk at level six can have their fists turn into magical weapons. I think by that time, everyone, yeah, it's about time to get magical weapons for people. Um, but while they were there, uh, one thing I did horribly was way undervalue all these magic items too. So like, um, uh, our our warlock who I think he had like 11 maybe 12 for his AC he got a cloak of protection for like way super cheap because I had no idea where to find you know a good price for it or something so I just kind of threw stuff out there and uh, I mean that turned into a hey everybody's got you know a couple magical items basically they're, within the party we've got like two bags of holding we've got uh, you know cloak of protection we got you know everybody's got one maybe two things uh, but then Uh, I got to say the the RP that my, my players have is just absolutely fantastic when they went to the magic shop and they're looking for things, you know, they're just like, Oh, what do you, you know, what do you have? And I'm scrambling, trying to come up with stuff and everything. Um, My, my rogue, she picked up a deck of illusions. So we've got a full deck of illusions. And I ended up buying a deck on Amazon so that, you know, I actually have her pull cards and then whatever pops up is what pops up. That's such a great problem. Um, and she's used it, you know, to, to kind of, you know, distract things here and there and stuff. And it's worked a couple times and it, like, it's working really great. And that's a lot of fun. The bard wanted, uh, something specifically made because she's a bard, she's a performer. And so I ended up homebrewing a, uh, a ring of, um, oh shoot, what did I call it? It is, I, I, I call it a ring of celebration. And basically uh, it's three charges per day and uh, she rolls a D6 and based on whatever color she does, she uses the ring and streamers just shoot out of the ring. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, cool. Let's do this. And I had a lot of fun. Uh, it's just a fun item. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the, uh, I, again, in the one shot, I, no, no, it wasn't in the one shot. It was uh, one of the adventures afterwards. I littered this, uh, this, this, this mage's, um, layer with you know a couple things like a couple potions here and there and stuff there's a ring of water walking just randomly in there um so far we haven't gone to an ocean or any big bodies of water but at some point i've got something in my mind of hey this could come in handy in this situation um my my has got a ring of mind shielding i mean again just little things here and there but they start adding up into things that that can be used creatively and it, it, that's one of the biggest things and I hit my mic. That's one of the biggest things that um, I like about magic items is like you said, just the, the, the random utility and creativity that can be, that can, you know, they can come up with uh, just on the fly. Like that ring of celebration, we use it as a distraction during a battle. One time I got someone stunned because she like shot it right in his face. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, let's see what happens with that. And that's where like, yeah, combat's fun to a point, but when you have more options based on all the stuff that you have with you, that's when it can turn into something like just absolutely extraordinary or absolutely fantastic. And I got to say that throwing some magic in there makes it fun because we live in a real world. Combat's not that great in real world, but in magic land, guess what? Who knows what can happen? yeah it's it's D. &D. like give the players
0: tools let them be creative Mm -hmm. and that will challenge you as a dm too and you will get better of thinking on your feet when they come up with something absolutely absurd roll really well and it works (laughs) exactly that happens more often than you would initially think Mm -hmm. um so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you talked a little bit about prices yeah. and so that's, that's one thing for magic items that, uh, it's good to kind of figure out a little bit like what is magic in this world worth? Now we have a little bit of direction from the dungeon master's guide. So they, they do have a magic item rarity table, uh, common being 50 to hundred gold uncommon being 101 to 500 rare being 501 to 5,000 very rare being 5,001 to 50,000 and then legendary being 50,000 plus very broad, just a bit <laughs> very broad. And it's not like each of these items when you open the manual comes with a, Oh yes, this is a cloak of protection and this is worth 2000 gold. Um, I think he it, bought it for 300. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's rough, right? And, yeah. and partially prices will partially depend on your campaign setting. A low magic campaign setting. Even the most mundane magical items may be extremely expensive. High, yeah. Yeah. We're in a high level magic uh, campaign setting. Only the craziest of the crazy magic items are gonna be you know in the five digits mm-hmm. of gold. And so yeah, it's it is something to kind of think about, especially if you're going to have magic shops, so that um the the characters will actually you'll you'll be able to intelligently barter with them or talk with them or when they ask how much is this, how much is this, you can at least have kind of an idea, okay, that's a that's a uncommon item. That's a rare item. Okay we're just going to ballpark it and 3000 gold. Uh, It's in, it's in this range or it's in that range. Um, So that's, that's definitely one thing you can do to kind of help yourself. Um, And also just in talking about magic shops, what is a magic shop going to have available? Mm -hmm. Is this a, a little magic shop in a, in a small town? Again, it's probably based on the, the level of magic in your world, but magic shops aren't going to have everything. So when waltz the party, waltzes up and like, I would like a plus three vorpal sword. <laughs> like that doesn't exist at this shop.
1: Yeah. Um, That's
0: the, the shopkeepers like, so would I? Yeah. So would I. Um, so yeah. Giving yourself a little bit of uh, leeway, especially if you are coming up to the Oh So Fun shopping episode of your campaign. So much fun, surprisingly, those can those can turn into ridiculousness, especially if you have some really fun shopkeeper personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had I've had a few memorable characters be created just from shopping,
1: um, <laughs> so that's that's always fun. What do you What do you like to do with that, Ben? Oh man, so okay, like I said before, my my magic keeper she uh, because she was an adventurer, she gave them a discount the first time, which. I'm just like, okay, you know, they, she sees them as adventures as well. It's like, Oh, I was back in that world. And so, you know, big discount on that. Luckily I got a little bit wiser on how much things should actually cost later on. So I've, I've been able to kind of, you know, work with that a bit. Um, so far they've only been to two of the, the, the like smaller towns and I mean it, with this, this magic shopkeeper I have, I actually have a whole backstory and everything for her, and there's a reason why she's in small towns, as opposed to, you know, in, in a big city and everything. Um, I, I don't know if I told you about her or not, but it, it's basically her store is in a pocket dimension, and she's got entrances in the, the three small towns in the area. So, like, you go into her shop in one of the towns, you, you can only exit to the same town you're in, but Like, you know, you you can meet up in different towns in the same shop, if that makes sense.
0: Um,
1: But, you know, they they haven't gotten to a major city yet. And already I'm trying to think about, okay, well, in a major city, I would think something like that would be a lot more regulated because, you know, they don't want crazy magic items, you know, available to, you know, just random townsfolk and stuff. So there's probably going to be a bit less of a supply of at least dangerous things. Um, I would think that that'd be more like a, a potion store as opposed to magic items and stuff. But even then, like if they come in and, you know, buy out stock of all the potions and then come back two days later, they're not going to have potions available because you know, they need to create them. They need to have time for that.
0: Yeah. And it's it's good to use real world type things of, mm-hmm. I, I want to buy 50 healing potions. Well, okay. I've got, five (laughs) exactly
1: yeah this is stock
0: stock stock is real stock is real
1: yeah especially when it comes to something like that because uh, if you think about it like magical items they don't just like appear somewhere there's there's something that like needs to be enchanted in order for it to actually work or um you know like some crazy magician inventor or something is working on something and and maybe they were trying to make a ring of water walking but messed up the enchantment somehow. Maybe it it turned into something else, you know? So like, well, there's this ring of water walking that that's 500 gold, but this one over here, that's three, 300. And it's, it's got some kinks. We call it the ring of sinking. (laughs) Yeah. If you need to get to the bottom of the ocean, guess what? This is the perfect ring for you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah,
0: so uh, in kind of keeping with this, one of the other things we need to talk about is actual loot distribution yes. and ways of doing it. So there's, as always, kind of three ways really you can you can do loot. You can do the curated loot where you have, okay, uh, I'm doing the research, I'm looking in, uh, I'm going to drop this item here, and I'm going to drop this item here, and i have these three items that are kind of on hand that I can hand out whenever I want to uh, in this campaign. And this is going to be great. And all these items will be actually useful to my particular party. Um, or you got the opposite end of that spectrum, which is random loot tables, which the dungeon master's guide is full of. And it's complete. It is a completely legitimate way to do loot. Mm -hmm. And some, some parties prefer it. Some players prefer it. Some players love when you're like, okay, it's loot time. All right, give me a percentile. Give me, okay, now roll a D eight, roll a D six, you know, whatever. And it's just like, you get this item because that's what the, the random loot table says. You get this item or this item. And the, the dungeon master's guide has the rules and layout for all that. If you want to roll on random loot tables based on the, the type of monster and the, the the CR of the monster, it'll move you over to the tables and then you, you can roll it or your players can roll it. Um, and there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to that way too, because in the curated loot way, you don't get that feeling. It's going to be a lot more significant, I think, but you don't get that element of randomness that could potentially bring something into the game that could really spice it up that maybe you just didn't think of. On the flip side, with the the randomness, um, you could get something that really spices up the game, really gives uh, creativity to the players, or they get really lucky and get this really cool thing. Or you could get something that breaks the game entirely. Or is completely useless to the party in general. You can always do a hybrid of the two. Yeah. Um, in certain situations, you could be like, okay, I know what they, they're doing. They've been adventuring for a while. This is, this is a big bad. This is the end of an arc. I'm going to curate a set of items for them for this encounter. And then for random encounters and travel or other things, you just roll on the loot table. And that's, that's completely
1: fine too. Um, Ben, what's, what's your preferred method? Oh man, I, the best way I can put it is I've got a hybrid going on. Cause usually if, um, you know, I, I I'd see, cause I mean, there's a couple different ways of looking at it. Are you trying to fill a need that, that one of the, one or two of the players might have, um, as well as, you know, make sure there's enough that, you know, at least a few people get something because, you don't want a, a uh, like favoritist in the playthrough. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to make sure that this enchanted armor is here as well as this magic hammer, as well as, the, you know, like like don't like veer all the loot towards, like say, a single person in your party because that that's just no fun for anyone because, I mean, the person who gets all the loot is going to be like, thanks? I mean, yay loot, but at the same time, if they're the only one getting something, there's going to be some some weird, awkward feelings there. But even more so you know, if you do see some sort of need going on, you know, maybe try to, to, to give a tiny little push to help towards that. And I mean, you can do it as a, Hey, you find this specific thing or just whoever's looting and stuff, give them the whole list of things and stuff and let them kind of distribute as they see fit, which is, that's one thing that I do, but to figure out what loot is actually there, um, I've gone through, I've done a couple, you know, roles to see what it is, you know, mainly when it comes to like potions or scrolls or something like that, I'll I'll do something along those lines where I'm like, okay, I just need something to kind of fill out the rest of this table after I've gone through and curated and picked a couple things that, you know, could either be, you know, super beneficial to, you know, one or two of the characters or something or something that I just think, hey, this is really cool. I'm just going to give it to them and see what they do with it. And I mean, if you have a couple, you know, kind of, I guess I would call them big items and then throw in, you know, little bits here and there afterwards. It works out. So uh, like my players have an alchemy jug because those are fun just because Uh, with that, they also got um, like, you know, a a potion of water breathing or, or something along those lines, you know, it's just a couple things here and there. And so far it's worked out pretty well. And I mean, granted, they haven't fought a ton of like big bads, but when they have they're rewarded with, you know, some, cool crap my players just stole a bag of devouring
0: from a <laughs> small gnome so that'll be interesting to see where they use it because i thought they were going to give it back but of course i was wrong do they know and it's they... a
1: bag of devouring
0: yes they do oh okay they were using it it was it was it was a cleaning job it was a cleaning job they had to go through this wardrobe which turned out to be a pocket dimension. And yeah. they had to clean it up because it was yeah. yeah, it was super dirty, And so you know they what do you better thing to clean up with than you just throw everything in a bag of devouring. They kept the bag of devouring, they were supposed to give it back, but they didn't because they wrote really good on their sleight of hand check, and I was just like, "Well, you have a bag of devouring now." So I don't know how they're going to use it, but it's probably going to be uh, ridiculous whenever it
1: happens. That's how they find pickpockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in in that magic <laughs> shop, uh, there were three bags hanging on the wall. One of them was devouring; the other two were bags of holding. <laughs> they happened to pick the two bags of holding. Oh, you didn't tell him? It's going to be a surprise. Oh, that's quite the
0: surprise.
1: Whew. And you're dead? <laughs> well, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, the, there's a, there's a pretty you know decent chance of uh, you can pull them out. Yeah, you might be able to. You might be able to pull yourself out. Yeah, it's it's possible. Well, um, I, I think they did have some help with because Matilda was like, "I know one of these isn't actually a bag of holding. It looks like it though." So they had a little help, but that's good. The, the idea yeah, was, there was give still your players a little
0: bit of a chance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I, I usually find myself more on the the curated end of the spectrum. But as I as I kind of mentioned before, I really like to make a lot of my items. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a, a spot for another discussion. Homebrew definitely items, right? There are between like, you know, Xanthar Xanthars and the, the dungeon masters guide and so many of
1: the other supplements, there's a ton of magic items. Oh my gosh. It, 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 it's funny because there's a ton, but sometimes when you're looking for just one little thing, it doesn't exist. Exactly. And so there's, there's a wealth
0: of magic items that are pre-created, ready for you to use. Um, you can use a place like, if you, if you don't have the books or, I mean, look through the books if you got them, but Roll20, D&D Beyond, they're great places to, to look all these things up to, to kind of filter easier, oh, yeah. search easier to see what, what they do. Um, but if you don't have, find one that you like, you can homebrew it. And the best way to homebrew magic items is to do it based off of other magic items, Mm -hmm. because then that allows you to more easily determine things like rarity and power level uh, and that type of thing. And for me, I really like being able to do that because then I can kind of tailor items to my players in some ways, because Again, like I said, I, I probably lean a little more toward the curated side because I like things to be useful. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll find stuff that is not as useful or, you know, is a more of a throwaway thing. But like I said, I like, I like my stuff to do extra things and I, I like them to be fun or useful in ways that are not just, this is slightly stronger and slightly hits harder mm-hmm. than, than the other thing. Um, so one of the things, the cool things I'm doing right now, is one of my characters. Um, oh, they were they were in this town. They were basically long story short, they were fighting some demons. Uh, one of them was a bow wielder. Uh, this this de- little like mini demon lord, basically. One of them, one of its minions, was a bow wielder. One of them was a sword wielder. Um, the way they defeated it, uh, the bow ended up on the ground afterwards after they had killed the minions uh, and so <laughs> the the ranger went over and picks it up it's a demon bow it was cursed yeah. uh <laughs> I would hope so. it is now it is now stuck to him like he cannot take it off his person um, and so i'll, I'll kind of get into this at the end of the show there's there's a whole big thing but essentially uh the item is what I like to call an evolving item. And so instead of, instead of having an item, instead of replacing items constantly, oh, I found a better sword. Oh, I found a better shield. Oh, here's the next set of armor. uh, Make items that can evolve with the players based on certain milestones, based on certain actions uh, that the player takes or that just happen in the story. Uh, This bow... Basically, did an extra 1d6 necrotic damage every time you shoot it. However, if the user of the bow is not of an evil alignment, they take half that damage. Oh, half of the necrotic damage. Um, so because certain things happened this last session, the bow got more powerful and evolved. The look of it changed a little bit, the properties changed a little bit. I, I added, um, necrotic resistance so it actually doesn't hurt the user as much when they do the extra damage it can cast uh a limited amount of spells now which is really interesting and so it's an evolving it's still the same thing but now it's got more properties and potentially in the future it could have even more properties and evolve from this uncommon magic item into this potentially legendary item Mm -hmm. and then that's a cool story for your players too because they're like i've had this bow all campaign but it has been evolving and growing in
1: power with me because of x and y that's pretty cool that is something that i am definitely going to be looking into i like it's 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 a
0: lot of fun Um, and you talked i know you talked a little bit about homebrewing your your items. Uh, one of the things I do like about D&D Beyond is that it's really great for homebrewing items because you can homebrew them and then you can actually add them to players' inventory mm-hmm. and then they can use it and attune it or whatever. And speaking of that, that is something I wanted to talk a little bit about too before we kind of shift over to the, the player perspective. As, as a DM, um, one of the things, one of the the levers that the D and D mechanics and rules give you for kind of um, power stability, I guess is attunement. Yeah. Players can only attune three items at a time. And so depending on what the magic items are, some of them will require attunement by the player to actually get the benefits of them or to actually use them. And so that's one of the power levels that you can kind of pull. If your players have a lot of attunable items, then they're going to have to pick and choose. If you give them a ton of stuff, magic items that aren't attunant or don't need attunement, then you potentially are giving them a a higher level of power. And this kind of uh, goes a little bit with what we talked about uh, last episode with the encounter building because for the, as, as far as I've been able to understand 5e in general, like your, your monster CR and stuff does not take magic items into account. Oh, not at all yeah. at all. It is, it is magic items are an extra level of power that are not accounted for in your difficulty stuff. So you have to be aware that as your players are growing power in power and as you're giving them these magic items, potentially this level of monster that might have challenged a normal party without magic items might not be a very big challenge mm-hmm. to a party with a bunch of magic items. And so you have to remember to tune your encounters accordingly to that as well.
1: Exactly. I mean, if you've got a weapon that uh, you know, constantly deals radiant damage and you're finding demons, that's going to be entirely different than just a random you know, sword and shield. You know, it gives that extra damage, gives, you know, just pluses up the wazoo for, you know, the the players and everything. So balancing is, is really tough. Um, one big thing about attunement that I think is, is very important, too, is that a player can have like 10 items that need attunement. But since it does require three, they can't just swap willy nilly either. This is one of the things where, okay, to attune to something, you have to spend time with it. You have to take it like, I I think pretty much it's just a short rest. Usually it's a short rest. Yeah, like, you know, half hour, hour, somewhere in there. So it's not like, oh, in the next room there's this. I'm going to unattune with this and then grab this instead and then boom, I'm safe. It's, well, if you really want to do that, you're going to be waiting there for a while, which completely changes the encounter, much less what if that thing doesn't want to wait and just comes charging at you or something like that. And you're able to, you know, set up like, say, just a a big, large dungeon and everything like that, have different things set up so that if, you know, your your players really favorite, you know, a certain set of gear or something like that, you can know and, you know, not exactly like completely try to counteract that, but at least be prepared for, you know, if they walk in the dungeon, you're going to know kind of what they have, what's going on. Yeah. they Step in and completely change everything. Hey, you know, yeah. Be creative and, you know, roll with it. See what happens. Sure. And we talked about this too
0: with intelligent monsters, intelligent monsters, especially your, your big villains may be watching the characters. They may be checking and seeing what they can do. So it makes it natural that they would have defenses and mechanisms to counter what the player's, are normally showing off as battle tactics or uh, magic weapons or magic items.
1: Exactly. In fact, gosh, I mean, I'm just kind of going a little bit off the rails here, but it's just going back to the whole idea of of intelligent uh, uh, enemies, you know, the whole idea of summoning pixies and then having them polymorph you into T-Rexes and stuff like that. I, I have heard. There's ways around that if you have an intelligent uh, enemy, lots of ways around it. If they know oh, that yeah. once you got plans, you're fine. Has this but, happened to you before? No, it has. I, I heard you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where I was just, you know, kind of going through uh, YouTube. I think it was actually Matt Colville's video that said, Hey, um, this is one spell that could totally break every encounter in D and D forever, but here's how you can counteract it all. I'm like, Oh, okay. But yeah, that's, it's, that's fantastic. The idea of, just pay attention. Have have them be smart, and yeah, it just
0: makes the game so much more fun. <laughs> it, it certainly makes it more interesting for you, and mm-hmm. hopefully the players at the same time. Exactly. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, let's talk about magic items from a player point of view. Yes. Um, so, as a player, how do you like to deal with loot distribution and magic items?
1: Oh man, so. I don't know if it's because of who I am or maybe the, the players that I have played or whatever. Every single time magic items get brought in and we get loot and everything, I want them all. But I'm, not, I'm probably never going to claim any of them unless it's something specifically. I'm like, oh, this would be the one thing that I need to make my life complete. You know, It's one of those things where um, you, you adventure as a party, as a group. So by all means, the things that are that play off the strengths, or you know, maybe fill in weaknesses for someone else, should probably get that magic item. Um, you know, like a, a ring of protection. If you've got someone with like a super low AC and they're getting hit constantly and everything, they might be the right person for that ring for that extra you know plus one. Versus, hey, if you've got a barbarian and he is always running in and he is taking every hit possible that one might be the one like, even if he has a high AC, that ring might be perfect for him. So a lot of it comes down to the actual group dynamic and how everything plays out and being cognizant of, you know, what the other players do kind of where they, they fall into their rhythm for, for combat and things like that. Or if it's something that, you know, isn't exactly specifically a, a combat item, you know, something like, um, I, again, I my bard got this. This was just in a pile of loot, like a uh, um, a wand of... Shoot, what was it? A wand of conducting. Because, you know, you just need a wand that just plays music. Just because, you know, uh, if you, you find something that's not specific to, hey, this totally fits with someone else and you think it works with your character, you know, make a, make a claim on it and say, hey, does anybody want this? Would anybody you know, would this benefit anybody, you know, just have the discussion about the whole thing as opposed to grab it, take it. Everything is mine because that is not how, you know, loot distribution works. That's not how adventuring works. Everybody has their own things that they contribute. So you want to make sure that their, their, their strengths and weaknesses are accented in the right way. Yeah. It's it's never a me versus them.
0: It's, it's always, this is a co-op game. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be aware of that when we do loot distribution or when loot pops up and then potentially if needed, come up with ways in game of working it out. Um, Or (laughs) if in more dire circumstances, step out of game a little bit and be like, okay, you know, no biggie. Why are we arguing about this? Cause I, I've, I've definitely been at tables before where loot has, has been a very divisive thing. And I think part of that is why as a, as a DM, I have moved a little more towards the um, curating of mm-hmm. magic items because I, I guess it makes me feel like I have more control to say, okay, I want to make sure that everyone can participate. Right. And that, Everyone can do that. And in in my experience, that has lowered the amount of grief or uh, issues that may pop up just over
1: loot coming out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I mean, I've been in both of those situations where. like on my, my cleric, we were playing a whole bunch and it, it seemed like everybody else was getting loot, tons of loot here and there and everything. And, I, and something that I'm like, oh, that would be perfect for me. Someone else is like, oh, that'd be perfect for a, a different person. I'm like, okay, I can see that. And, you know, went without again and finally got to the point where like a shield dropped. It was a shield of perception or something like that. I'm just like, hey, if no one else is using shields, I could totally grab that one. And they're like, oh yeah. So now I get advantage on perception checks. It's an initiative. It's great but uh, then at the same time it's like we got a, uh, a potion of giant strength and usually I, I'm like hey that's for the fighter because you know strong fighter and everything and he's like hey for this next combat I think you should have it you're going to deal you know you're going to be fighting and in the fray drink this and it's going to help I'm like okay and you know it if you are with a party long enough usually you really get that good feel of we are in it together and you know it, it's going to be pretty fair pretty even and so far i haven't had any issues uh in that game with uh you know like loot distribution and stuff because we've been playing for a while and you know oh, it, that's great um uh, yeah. in in my dm game in the game DM, um so far nothing really i mean if anything no one wants the loot because they're all too nice and trying to give it to someone. <laughs> the opposite problem yeah uh, it's, it's either, like, oh, it's,
0: we might as well just leave this here. And it's just like, no, no, this is my custom
1: item. <laughs> yeah, it's like um there was uh some some chimes of opening that I, you know, just kind of threw in there because I mean it's it's the 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 head of a criminal organization. He has chimes of opening laying there and you know, they took them. And so they're like, Oh, well, let's give it to the rogue. And they're like, wait, no, she can unlock stuff really well. Maybe someone else should have it in case she she's not able to do that. And it's like, okay. And so they kind of, you know. Uh, finally, decide. I, I don't even know who has them at this point, but someone does. They can open up a door. But um, oh man, that could have really come in handy in the last session. Where there a locked door that. Uh, anyways, long long story short. Um, but uh, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, you just you work with it. You put in as a DM, put in items that you know can potentially be have something for everybody and just overall. Just be respectful and understand that everyone's there with a common goal. Yep, that's right. And I think uh, one of the comments you made is a great segue
0: because as a player, make good notes of your inventory and your magic items. I cannot tell you how many (laughs) times as a DM I've seen players not be able to do something or miss a completely like Easy solution because
1: they didn't remember they had X item. Mm-hmm. Oh man, best example of someone remembering, and I was so proud of him too, is uh, when everybody was kind of pretending that they were the doppelgangers, someone had had a disguise on. He happens to be the guy with the mind with the ring of mind shielding, so they couldn't read his mind to know that he wasn't who he was saying he was. And oh it was so great. I was so proud and happy. I'm like, you remembered. Like I almost teared up a little bit. Like, yep. It, it, it was the perfect plan, and it—I it, mean—they rolled really well too. But it just—it worked out so well. So. Yeah, no,
0: that's that's definitely a thing. As as a player, make sure that you're making good notes of the things that you're getting because they may come in handy later. And you want to be able to have your list or your your items ready to go. Okay, what do I have that I can work with here? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times I've found that certain magic items, or if especially if you got them a long time ago, just get completely forgotten and
1: never used. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the best things about a lot of these is that, I mean, not all of them for combat. I mean, we've covered that many times at this point. But again, as a player, you can use them very creatively in just weird situations. Like an immovable rod is one of the most versatile things in Dungeons and Dragons, you know, use it as something to climb off of, use it as a stepping stone, use it to block a door that you don't want to open so that you can get away. I mean, those are just some really quick ideas, but there's so many more out there. Um, small things like a, a jar of everlasting smoke that right there helps with stealth. It covers your getaway. It covers an entrance. It, you know, maybe you can try to fake it that there's a storm coming. I mean, there's, there, there's a ton of uses for that. And overall just knowing what you have thinking about what it's used for and then coming up with like five other things that, that you might be able to, to kind of get away with just makes it work. And with that, you can totally break encounters too, which that's really yes. fun to do. It is, it is,
0: it is. I, I love as, as a DM and, as a DM, I personally like rewarding that kind of thinking Mm -hmm. like that. That to me is like, Oh, you thought of something I didn't think of. That is clever. And a lot, sometimes, sometimes you get mad. It's just like, man, I planned that for so long. They just, (laughs) they just bypassed it with this item I gave them three levels ago that I had forgotten about and, but they didn't good for them. Uh, And so, that, that can be fun too. But as a player, sometimes you just aren't getting the items you want, or you want to do something with items you don't have essentially. So what do you do? Right. Uh, this is where, this is the part where we talk about crafting mm-hmm. and there aren't a whole lot of official crafting rules for items there really aren't um there's there's a few little ones here and there um are for like x gold and x number of days to to hit the uncommon the rare the the very rare and the the legendary Um, a lot of that is not super i guess not super attainable yeah for, for the average character. Um, and yes, you want time to go into these. But at the same time, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, well, we're going day-to-day right now. Um, and this is going to take 180 days to make with them focusing eight hours a day <laughs> on this. they, they like that's, that's just not going to happen. Um, so a lot of DMs, uh, and there are supplements, like you can check on DMs Guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of supplements people have made for crafting. Um, but as a DM, a lot of times I will just make provisions for, for what people want to do. Uh, we have, my my cleric is proficient in alchemy, an alchemy toolkit. And so one of the things, a, a lot of times they'll ask to make certain type, they want to try and make a certain type of potion or they they want to try and make something to give an effect. My rogue at one point wanted to make a smoke bomb, right? Um, And so a lot of times you can do, have them shop for materials or equate materials to X amount of gold that they would spend. And a lot of times I like to turn it, make it fun, turn it into a skill challenge where you have to, to roll to hit a certain DC potentially more than one time uh, to try and make what it is you're wanting to make. Um, and depending on how you roll, it may turn out what you are expecting or less than what you're expecting. And then as a DM, that's super fun because now they have this defective smoke bomb that they don't necessarily know is defective, but they made it, uh, and after a while, maybe those DCs lower on some of that stuff because they've, they've done it before, and you can kind of keep track of that as a, as a DM. Or maybe you've got a wizard that wants to make a wand, and so you, you come up with one of the, the systems we came up with in um, one of my DMs came up with was, okay, uh, we'll do spell charges. And you want to make a wand of magic missiles? You need to charge put in 200 charges to, to do it. And each spell slot was assigned a certain amount of charge points. So level one spells were one charge, level two spells were two level three spells were like four and so on and so forth exponentially because the more power you put into it, the, the more charges you could get out of it. And so it, it was kind of a cool system and it allowed me to try and balance. Okay uh do i save spell slots so i can try and en- <laughs> enchant this item that i'm working on or uh do i use them <laughs> do i use them in combat or do, um, do i save the cleric's
1: life or have a really cool wand by the end of it exactly or hey uh do i just
0: dump all my remaining spell slots into enchanting at the end of the day right Mm -hmm. right right before my long rest so and then the the rest of the party was coming to me and just being like uh can you make something for me and can you make something for me and it's just (laughs) it's like oh crap i'm the enchanter now aren't i and (laughs) and, but it turned into a a really fun thing that wasn't super complicated from from a mechanical standpoint Mm -hmm. the dm decided and i would basically tell the dm what i wanted I would like, hey, DM, I want to make a uh, the fighter once. I'd been using this enlarged spell on the fighter. The fighter wants this cool crown that can make smoke billow out the top of it so he looks dangerous and then grant him the enlarged spell once a day. And he's like, okay, cool. You need to do X and Y to make this. It's yeah. like... Awesome. Cool. I have, I, I put it succinctly. I have a goal and I can't make things that aren't within my realm of power to make.
1: Yeah, and so it ended up being a cool little system. And given enough time, I mean, it, you would be able to do something like that. But again, like you were saying, you had those specific choices that you had to make in order to see how fast this this thing came about and everything, and that's that's a really cool system, and that's something I'm going to adopt once we get to the point where people want to start doing that. You know, it, yeah. it, People it, love it, making their own items. They yeah. love it. Exactly. And let's say you don't have anyone who can actually make that, um, this is at the point where you know you kind of talk to the DM and everything, and maybe something like that could exist somewhere. And then you know you can talk to a shopkeeper and you know have them start working on it or so. I you know there, there's a, a bunch of different ways where you can try to find something that you want that doesn't specifically have to use the well for this much gold and this many days and, and stuff like that. That's you know really you know, work with your DM. And if it's something that is, you know, kind of simple, something that's kind of fun or something like that, they're probably going to be a lot more prone to doing it. Then I would like a plus four verbal sword. Exactly. And that's, and that's the thing too. talk
0: to your DM. If you want to make something or you want to, to try and find a specific item, like Ben said, ask me you know, like, does this item exist in the world or with my skills, my, or my, my character skills. Could I foreseeably make something that does this? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and a lot of DMS will, will be
1: willing to work with you to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this is actually where a lot of backstories can come into play too. I mean, there's, if you look a lot of different backstories come with some sort of kit or, or tools of some sort or something like that, like black blacksmithing alchemist kit, you know, something like that. Like, a new character I have, it has a calligraphy set, you know, who knows what I can come up with with that. There's, there's a lot of different aspects about your character that sometimes you forget about just completely basically because it's like, Oh, well, that's in my backstory. It doesn't matter, but it can come up and you can actually use a lot of that in and, and turn it into something cool. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so talk to your DM. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of creative options, that you can do. And like I said, personally, I'm all about player agency and player creativity. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that kind of thing,
1: uh, within reason. Of exactly. course. Uh, one last thing that I want to touch on too, is that we, we mentioned it briefly before about charges on things, uh, how, you know, there are some things that only have a limited number of charges. There are some that it can actually be, you know, uh, reused or like you roll at the end of the day to see how many charges are refilled and things like that. Um, The biggest thing that's, well, let's, let's put it this way. When I play resident evil games, I never use the Magnum because that is the most powerful gun in the game. And you never know when you're actually going to need it. So you have this ammo, you have this gun and it's just sitting there and it's never touched. And then you beat the game. The credits are rolling. You're like, Oh, I never used that thing. Magic items. Aren't supposed to be like that. Like Ryan was saying. Keep a, you know, keep a list. Make sure you know what you have. But more ins- importantly, use that crap. It's in the game for you to have fun with. And if, if you're holding on to a wand of magic missiles and it's got one charge left, hey, guess what? This might be the combat encounter to use in it. Don't worry about the next one. This is the one that your life is in danger in right now. You can always try and find another ma- uh, magic missile wand yeah. the other time. Who knows? And it's not, it's not necessarily going to disintegrate. Yeah. yeah.
0: It might, then you might find another one or the, or, or you might get something else cooler that, that, that takes its place. Yeah. But that's, that's such a, that's such a great, a great example. And I have that in so many games where they have the ultra powerful thing, but it's like, you got two shots. It's just like, Oh man, I, I don't want to use it now because I might need it later. And then you get to the end and, Exactly. Could have used it
1: a whole lot. So no, uh, that speaks to my soul. And uh, so I just have to share the Wand of Conducting. Uh, So it has three charges, and uh, the wand regains all expended charges daily at dawn. If you expend the wand's last charge, roll a d20. On a one, a sad tuba sound plays, and the wand crumbles to dust and is destroyed. Yep. But that, that would be a fun moment. Oh, I know <laughs> it would if, be different. if it actually
0: happened. So, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. Um, if you have any comments about magic items, you have any tips or tricks, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us, you can, you can tweet at us at, uh, DN discussions or, uh, at either of our accounts. We'll give you all the, the info at the end. Exactly. So
1: Ben, uh, you got this week's community content shout out. Yes. So when I first started DMing, uh, I I went on YouTube and basically... You know, the algorithm was great, and it gave me tons of different videos on, hey, DM tips, watch this. Uh, that's how, one you're know, obviously from Critical Role, I know of Matt Mercer, but he has a whole ton of stuff on there. Matt Colville has a whole ton of stuff on there. There's another uh, role-playing person on there that I found that I actually, I really enjoy his videos. His name is uh, Seth Skorkowski. Now, I'm not sure if you are familiar with him at all, uh, he also does, like, uh, reviews of different modules for a bunch of different games, like Call of Cthulhu and, and everything like that. But the ones specifically on, uh, he's got a couple different playlists, but the ones specifically on, like, players and DMs and different things like that are really interesting to listen to. Um, he basically just talks about a, a whole bunch of different topics about, you know, hey, these are, like, the the 10 worst kind of players or the 10 best kind of players and things. He has, like, little skits to kind of, you know, you add some humor to it to kind of give examples of different things and everything. And they're just kind of fun to listen to. And it really kind of gets you thinking a little bit of like, okay, well what kind of player am I, do I do something like this? And I mean, he doesn't call people out like, Oh, this is the worst thing you can do or anything, but he kind of walks through it and explains things of like, Hey, you're not really being the best kind of player. If you know, you're constantly telling other people what they should do on their turn and, and, and things like that. And like the, the micromanager might be one of them. And he, kind of goes through an instance like that. Um, he also talks about like in different things, like rephrasing things or returning turning something that, you know, could be a negative encounter and how to change it into something positive and, you know, just videos here and there. But the one that I find the most interesting is uh, when he talks about the social contract. And that's kind of the idea of when you start up a new game, you know, as the DM talk to the players, kind of talk about expectations of Um, you know, what everybody should expect of each other about, you know, being respectful about, uh, you know, like showing up on time, being prepared. Um, If you're playing together, you know, like help clean up afterwards. And and just the idea of everybody's there together to have a great fun time. And just his philosophy behind it and stuff is something that I really enjoy and really agree with a whole lot. So. yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. I totally check that out. It's pretty good. Um, We're going to have a link on the, uh, the website uh, just so that you can, you know, find his YouTube page pretty fast and easy and stuff, but he's got a a lot of really fun, cool stuff in there and I I really recommend it. Awesome. Thank you, Ben, for the recommendation.
0: Yeah, you better check that out. Um, So before we go, we're going to take a few minutes uh, as we always do at the end of the show and talk a little bit about what's going on in our games. So Ben Why don't you go first and tell us a little bit about what's been going on in your, your
1: D and D games. Oh man. So uh, we, we haven't had a chance to play in the game that I DM, but it is crazy and insane about like what is going on with uh, the players and the town and everything. I can't really talk too much about it because some of the players listen and there's let's just say the next game session we have could have catastrophic events or, or or things that happen. and everything. there's, there's stuff that's set up to be interesting. Let's just put it that way. I
0: looking forward to hearing the actual specifics.
1: I am so excited to see what happens because I have no idea how, well, one, how much people have actually been paying attention, which is going to be a big deal. Uh, but even more so um, being able to talk to a couple people like out of game about it and just hearing them just like, Oh, this is my theory or what's going on with this and stuff. And just being like, Oh, okay. And you know, just completely, you know, not acknowledging stuff, but knowing kind of where their mindsets are. I'm like, this is really going to be interesting when we get into play. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: That, that sounds super fun. I'm looking forward to that story. Um, For me, I had the game IDM uh, this past Friday and it was ridiculous in many ways that I, of course, never expected. I, I had prepped a few things. We were, they were finishing up the, the whole wardrobe thing, the last like room or two. Uh, it wasn't a huge deal. Um, and then they were going to do... They, were, they, they had told me the plans were, you know, go visit the arcane academy the arcane conservatory mm-hmm. do a little shopping finish the thing and then go on this uh, other notice board quest they found they ended up doing about 25 percent of that <laughs> they they finished up the the whole wardrobe thing and at the end of it i had placed a little puzzle that if they they finished they they'd get some gems and they would get this uh cool little scroll and so they ended up finishing the puzzle, and they got the scroll, and the scroll was the this dude who owned the wardrobe, kind of a an inventor slash enchanter. And there were plans for an airship. Ooh. And airships don't currently exist in my world. It's all magical transportation or like animals like like griffins or whatever but those are very expensive and out of the reach of normal normal people um and so they ended up having this like 15 minute conversation with this inventor enchanter dude who was only supposed to be there for this little notice board side quest and it turned out to, to be an absolutely hilarious thing. They they absolutely loved the character, the this little gnome inventor named Gildroy. And uh, by the end of it, uh, he, he had talked to them about all these different things he had invented, like uh like this this toilet that actually, you know, uh that disposed of everything except it was a bag of devouring so that when you pooped <laughs> or the same type of spell so that when you pooped, there was a chance you could actually get sucked into. Um, so he's, he's like this, like partially failed inventor. Um, like all of his stuff doesn't quite work right. And so it ended up being super funny because they, they talked to him and they, they stole his bag of devouring that he was using to, to clean up. And then they split the party. Oh, and they, they went and did two different things. One of them went back to um, my Dragonborn district to, to look for blacksmithing stuff because that's one of the districts that had the, the best blacksmiths. Well, the other two went to a what ended up being a church of Lathander to try and cleanse this cursed bow that I mentioned earlier in the show. I had been planning for all of them to be together during the whole (laughs) cleansing of the cursed bow thing, because when it started, I pulled them into this, the shadow dimension. They're boxed in. It was just the two of them. Mm -hmm. And the entity that is attached to this bow is pretty powerful dude. And it ended up basically like the, the cleric doing something rolling terribly not being able to damage it hardly at all failing on a, a saving throw and was expelled out of the, the whole little thing and oh. left, left my ranger all by himself. My ranger tried attacking him with his swords, which aren't magical, which of course then he's got resistance against non-magical bludgeoning, slashing piercing. So, and so it didn't do hardly anything. They were still tired and out of uh, a lot of resources from the, the whole wardrobe Predicament, and so it ended up what I thought was going to swing, and I had made a cleansed version of the bow item on D and D Beyond, ready to go, and it ended up going a completely different direction. And a lot of this I just decided on the fly and was just <laughs> improving kind of the whole way. And he ended up making this like blood pact with the entity oh man which bound him further to the bow but also increased the bow's power as well and so now he's got this stronger connection to to this entity known as the gray man uh featureless thing uh, featureless face no eyes um well that's horrifying yeah it's it, it is terrifying and, and the whole and i could tell as soon as i was just like you're pulled into this thing all the players are just like <laughs> and it was it was so cool and it it just worked out so well and so it took complete 180 from everything i thought was going to happen and now there's this whole new personal storyline for him and then because they weren't all there the two that had gone back witnessed this like terrorist act against the city by this other this like rogue faction of Dragonborn where they set off this mana bomb and basically took out several blocks oh wow of the city and so they witnessed it firsthand instead of it happening off screen because they split the party. And so it was really interesting how that all ended up going down. Then they started tracking down the 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 person that set the bomb off and it was it was just a crazy session. There's so much that I didn't have planned that I, I kind of had to improv on the fly and it all ended up working out. Everyone had a blast and they were all talking about it afterwards. So you know, as a DM, that's when you do a good job when all your players can't stop talking about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <session>. <laughs> Man. But all in all, uh, it was super fun, super exciting. Can't wait to, to play again and see what strings they pull Mm -hmm. and for me it's just kind of like holy crap i have to have a lot of strings ready (laughs) from
1: a (laughs) content perspective but it'll be fun oh yeah and you know speaking of uh wanting to talk about it afterwards i i just want to continuously talk about plus five to hit from last night i had so much fun bringing in a new character and getting to know everybody and and everything and i am I know I said it like at the top of the show, but I'm really excited to see where it goes and what's going on. And I just want to play some more. Yeah. And my bard got a freak out because of a time jump. Yes. That was, Which was so good.
0: that was, that was <laughs> super, super hilarious and, and super, uh, super fun to, to kind of play out. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes as well. Definitely. Well, that is it for our episode tonight. Uh, ben, why don't you kind of give the
1: rundown of where everybody can, can reach us? All right. Well, uh, if you want to tell us about your campaign or have any questions or comments about uh, anything that we've talked about tonight, uh, especially if you have a really cool magical item that you've created, you know, we want to hear about that. Uh, make sure to send those emails to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, even more so, if you have just a, a quick thing you want to toss at us, Uh, Twitter is going to be the best place to do it. Um, Ryan has a little bit more time to to handle the the Twitter account than I do, but the good news is that we both have access to it. So uh, if you're looking for us and you want to find out when new episodes are up, especially if they're accidentally up a week earlier than they're supposed to be, definitely follow uh, DN Discussions on Twitter because scheduling is hard and I don't know dates apparently. (laughs) Um, Ryan, though, you have your own Twitter account. Where can people find you there? I do. You can find me on Twitter at tbkzord,
0: And uh, I'd love to talk anything tabletop, D&D, uh, or
1: video games in general. All right. Uh, if you're looking for me, I am at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, I talk video games. I talk d and I talk random things I retweet. And you know what? I, I don't know if I told you or not, but I, I follow three. Of my absolute favorite accounts are uh, Fox. Uh, an otter account, which I totally forget what it's called, and also one about corgis. <laughs> it's just like the you, random, random smiles to your day. Oh, yeah. Definitely. The best one was uh, one day when all three of them tweeted just right in a row. I just kind of scrolled them like, oh, okay. Uh, But anyways, uh, if you are wanting to uh, listen to more of this show, if you like this episode, this is the first one that you found. You can find more episodes on dndiscussions.com as well as on uh, Google Play, on whatever iTunes is called. And uh, we're we're pretty much getting out to everywhere. So check us out. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. And uh, until next time. Send us all your info. Well no, that sounded weird. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Send, us all your questions. Questions, Send us comments all your info. And uh yeah, like I said, I'm really curious of any magical items you guys have made. So uh until next time, Ryan, thank you for joining me and uh talking some D and D. Of course. It's always a pleasure, Ben. We will catch you guys next time. Be good to each other.